You're listening to Doing Law Differently. Join me, Lucy Dickens, as I explore how the world's most progressive legal service providers are doing law differently. Welcome back to the Doing Law Differently podcast. I'm your host, Lucy Dickens. Now, most people start a business because they want more freedom in whatever form freedom might take for them. But then what happens is that they end up trapped in the day-to-day grunt work and that desire for freedom seems to get further and further away. One of the things I really admire about today's guest is how she's intentionally built her business to make sure that that freedom doesn't become too far-fetched. I'm joined by Carly Fontanelli, Director of Collective Family Law. Collective Family Law is a modern law practice with a focus on helping people going through separation and divorce to move on with their lives in a more positive way. They take a really modern approach to family law. They offer online courses and they also have a focus on resolution, on helping their clients to resolve matters with their partner rather than litigate. But instead of talking about the practice of law, I've taken a different focus with the interview today. And instead, I spend most of the interview talking to Carly all about her team, her approach to business and management, and her journey to reaching what she describes as freedom in her business that means that she can spend her time doing the things she loves. These kinds of management topics are what I absolutely love the most and are the topic of my upcoming book that's all about how to make your law firm more efficient and effective so you don't feel so overwhelmed holding it all together. I'm in the final stages of editing the book and hoping to publish it towards the end of the year. So stay tuned, keep an ear out or keep an eye out and you'll hear more about that in the coming weeks and months. Now, before I hit play, another reminder to please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy the podcast, I'd love it if you could share the episode with your friends and colleagues who you think might love it too. Now, here's Cara Lee Fontanelli on the Doing Law Differently podcast. Enjoy. Cara Lee, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Well, as you know, I'm really interested to talk to you about your approach to your team in your law firm and to explore how you employ people and your approach to management and all of that kind of thing, because I know that that has been partly what's enabled you to build such a fantastic business, or in fact, probably several businesses, because you have a few, don't you? But before we talk about that, I would like to just start with an introduction and I'd like to hear it from you. So please tell us about Collective Family Law. All right, so Collective Family Law, we're a law firm based on the Gold Coast and Brisbane, so really southeast Queensland. And now with COVID anywhere, really, I guess, yeah. because we've mostly been working from home and we specialise in the practice of family law and we're really focused on moving people through their divorce process as quickly and easily as possible for them. And we're just really future-focused and goal-orientated in terms of how we get people through that process. And I've been through divorce myself. So I sort of come from a perspective of new goals, new chapter, what do we need to get you there? And sort of, you know, just sort of take that approach. You mentioned on your website that you offer your services in a modern way. What do you mean by that? In a modern way, in terms of our team and the way that we structure things, initially we offer a free initial consultation. And the reason I do that is because when I went through a divorce myself, I was only 27 and I wasn't a lawyer. I had no idea about the law or lawyers or how it all worked or anything like that. And I went along to a lawyer. I was sort of financially disempowered in my relationship 
and I had two small kids and I wasn't working and I was terrified of going to this lawyer and it costing all this money, even in an initial appointment. So I went along and she gave me good advice, but she didn't talk to me about costs or anything upfront like that. And because of that, I didn't retain her and ended up sort of just getting consent orders that weren't really suitable. And now that I look back, we're quite crazy, really, as to what I settled for. Like this was back in 2006. So when I became a lawyer and became a family lawyer, specifically, I really wanted to approach it differently and be really client focused in terms of give people the opportunity of coming along and seeing if they like you and seeing if they like the advice that you're giving them. We make sure that we give them very sturdy initial advice. And I really take pride and try implement it in the team as well, that even if they don't retain us, we have given someone an opportunity to go away and negotiate an outcome for them. And it's just an amazing, empowering thing to have that initial appointment with a lawyer. And particularly if you no matter what your situation is, the majority of people do want to settle their matters amicably and to be empowered in that first instance is really important. So we do that. We also don't have like a bunch of secretaries or dictation or anything like that. So I didn't come to the law until I was in my 30s and I'd run other businesses and I just sort of found that the way that law firms run just didn't make sense to me at all. So it just seemed like a lot of doubling up and a lot of mess for the client and it's just very confusing. So we have the client and they have their lawyer and they communicate directly with them and they directly get an email from them and it's just really streamlined and easy. So in that sense. And then the other way that we're sort of modern is we have an online program for people to go through because I've recognized that around 70% of people don't retain a lawyer in Australia when they go through a divorce process. And, you know, that's for a variety of reasons, whether it's because they can't afford it or they want to resolve it themselves. But the reality is that there's really only the point of going to Google and asking Google for advice, which we know is not a great idea. (laughs) Or asking John next door, who's better from his bad experience. And that's not a great idea either. So we've created an online program that people can walk through to um, learn the process, learn how to negotiate an outcome for themselves, just as a first point of call for that 70% that don't retain a lawyer. So those are just some of the things that we offer and do in a more modern way kind of way. Yeah, wow. There's a lot in that. So thank you for sharing those points. I want to pick up on a couple of them and ask you about, you said the way law firms will run didn't make sense to me. And that's something that I hear most often from people outside of the legal profession, as in people like you who have run other businesses before or who have been involved in managing other businesses. And then they step foot inside a law firm and think, well, this is all a bit strange. (laughs) So what are some of the things that didn't make sense? I mean, you've mentioned receptionists, you've mentioned clients not being able to contact their lawyer directly and sort of having a, well, these are not your words, but having a barrier put in the way is the way I see it. But what are some of the other things that you thought didn't make sense and that you've then changed? One of the things that we don't do is we don't have a receptionist. We don't have a reception desk and a front counter because I just find that when you think about going into a law firm or you think about a law firm on TV, everyday mum and dad, 
who's going through a divorce and they're visualizing this law firm, they're thinking of like this American TV show, right? And so many of our law firms in Australia are set up like this, where you go in and there's the Chesterfield and there's this big polished, big boardroom table and all of this kind of stuff. And it's just really intimidating. I just find that really intimidating and not friendly. And that might be suitable for some areas of law and like corporate clients and things like that. But for us in family law, our clients are mum and dads who have probably never been to a lawyer before, apart from maybe a conveyance or to get a trust created or something. And yeah, it's just intimidating. So there's things like that that don't make sense to me because the whole thing is, is that we are serving clients and we're trying to impact their lives positively so that they can move forward and create a better life for themselves in the future. And it's not a great place to start when they are freaked out to come and see you in the first place because they're overwhelmed with cost. And then they arrive at this office that's shiny and polished and unfriendly with, you know, that kind of stuff. Like I just find that it doesn't make sense to me that we're serving people, but then you're kind of putting all these barriers in the way for them to feel comfortable. And then other things like I didn't really like understand the traditions of how like a lot of law firms, for example, they do things like that because they learn how to do it like that from their boss or when they went through their articles or whatever. So they keep doing these same kind of things that have been done for all these 20 years or 40 years Mm. and it doesn't make sense now. Mm. And they don't even know why because a lot of people just do things that way, like you say, because that's the way it was done but not actually question why is it. I mean, we don't have a receptionist either. We did have up until probably about five years ago now when we realized that a lot of the work that the receptionist was doing was now being done by other people because their jobs had expanded and there was no need to have somebody typing and all of that kind of thing. And so we don't have a receptionist anymore, but we could easily have just carried on with a receptionist forever because that's the way things had always been done. Yeah, that's right. And things like interviewed people before who are great lawyers, but they can't actually fit in in our team because they don't have skills that are required in our team. Like they need a WordPress person. And one lady said to me, oh yeah, and I have a WP. And I was like, eh, what's a WP? (laughs) And she said, someone who does all the typing for her. Typist? Yeah, she called it a WP. Okay. I was like, and she had come from like quite an old fashioned firm and she needs dictation and we don't have dictation. Yeah. And she needed a secretary and we don't have secretaries. So because we type from our what we're thinking and we type it and it's really quick and you don't have to then go and proofread it 50 million times because you've done it yourself. So that's sort of, that's just the way we do it and it really works for us. So it's just things like that. And also in terms of marketing. So I've come from other businesses and obviously marketing is so important in our businesses today, but a lot of law firms feel like they don't need to market or they don't need to market in a modern way or something like that. But I just think marketing and modern marketing is really important. I agree. I think modern marketing is one of the keys to building a business that lets you 
I hate to say that we'll operate without you because I don't really believe in that, but it's one of the keys that lets you, I guess, get rid of some of the overwhelm because without modern marketing, things are very much relationship focused and very much dependent on individuals to be out in the world bringing in work. But if we can embrace digital marketing and social media and that kind of thing, there's much less reliance on that, which frees us up then to do other things. You've only got so much time to do everything. So if you're out having long lunches because that's your marketing plan, you're not out enjoying your Fridays with your family or doing things that you love. You're actually out marketing yourself and it can be exhausting. Absolutely. Well, you've already mentioned team a couple of times, and this is one of the things that I was really keen to explore with you. So let's dive in there. One of the comments I read from you online was about hiring for cultural fit over skill. Yes. You've kind of just touched on this a little bit already, but tell me about that. Well, that's kind of the other thing too, in terms of how firms might be old fashioned is when hiring, they're concerned with someone's GPA or how they've done, you know, at uni and stuff like that. I honestly just could not give two hoots as to how someone's gone at uni. It makes zero difference to me um, because it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a good or bad lawyer. Being an amazing lawyer in my firm means having really good customer service focus, having the client at the forefront and keeping their best interests in mind at all times, having a positive impact on their lives, you know, helping their divorce process be as simple and straightforward as possible for them and helping them move forward as quickly as they possibly can and having that goal focus. So for me, if I have a litigious type family lawyer in here, it's just not going to work. Mm. It doesn't matter how great you are at billing, but if you're the aggressive sort of type, it's just not going to work for me because that's not the way that we practice law. So that is so important to us. You can teach skills to people, but it's just a personality thing. You can't teach that. And when you have a small team and, you know, my team started off, you know, really small, it's really important that you all fit together well, because otherwise it's like rot in the team if you don't. So it's, you know, and everyone's worked in a workplace before where there's like one person who's just doesn't culturally fit and it just causes all kinds of drama or stress or whatever it might be. And so, yeah, so that's so important to me is that you just get a feeling and it's Mm. the right person. And I want people who are going to be here long-term and I want people who want to make this their home. That's really important to me. So for that to happen, you need to be a good fit. Did you always think that way or is this something that's developed over the years that you've been in this business? I've probably always thought partly that way, but I probably now more so higher in this way now because I can choose more easily. I can, you know, I can choose rather than, you know, in the past, sometimes you might be stuck and you've got to just hire that person, even though they're not a good cultural fit. Uh, And so I've learned from that, that it just doesn't, it never lasts and it doesn't work and it causes me stress and The whole thing with me being in business, whether it's in law or a different business, is that I'm not in business to create a stressful life for myself. I'm in business to create freedom and to create freedom for my team and to have, you know, we're based on the Gold Coast. So I always kind of think 
we're not a big city firm and no one needs to be here until nine o'clock at night. That's not what we do. You need to do your work and do it really well and make a positive impact on your clients, but you don't need to be proving anything to me. And I want to be arriving at work every day where I love all the people and I want to be here. Like I don't want to be driving into my car park and going, oh God, I've just got to get back into that office and it's just going to be torture because that person's just doing this or that. Yeah. So if you buy the wrong people, that's what it's like. And I get to pick. So why not choose people that I like? Yeah. And people that you want to work with for sure. I explained to you before, I've been at this role for 10 years. And when I started in this job or when I first started interviewing new staff, which was after about a year of being here, so probably about nine years ago, the focus at that time in the firm was very much on education. So the people who were hiring were interested in looking at what's your GPA? How well did you do at uni? What are your grades like? How well do you write? And look, I'm not saying those skills are not important because I do think they are. Mm. We're lawyers. There is a certain level of understanding of the law that we need to have. We need to be able to write all that kind of thing. But I started implementing a shift where I, like you, was far more interested in who that person was and what other skills they could bring to the table than how well they did at law school. And in fact, have found that the people who have, and this is just anecdotally speaking, this is kind of just my experience and what I've seen, but the people who have slightly better than top marks, like the people who are high distinctions in everything, tend to not last as long and tend to have a very academic approach to the practice of law. Whereas the people who might not be, you know, high distinction in everything, but still be relatively good and have good grades, have a much more business and commercial focus and are much seem to be much more able to relate to clients and have that kind of important human interaction rather than just focusing on the law. There's so many important aspects to it. And what we do in family law, one of the things that I hire on, like if someone sends me a resume and they're like, oh, I'm hoping to get into law and I don't mind if it's commercial estates or family, I'm instantly like, you're not someone for our team because Mm. everyone on our team has an absolute driving passion to impact people positively through their divorce. And so they have to be really interested and passionate about that area of law. So that's kind of one of the things as well that I'm sort of looking for. Have you got your hands on my new ebook? It's filled with 80 short, sharp and practical tips to help you firm your foundations, sort your strategy and optimise your operations so that you can modernise your law firm. Get your copy at lucydickens.com.au forward slash ebook. Once you've got people on your team, what's your management approach like? How do you manage the people on your team? It's changed over the years because initially, you know, there was say only like five of us in the team. So I managed the admin and I managed the couple of lawyers that I had and that kind of thing. But then as we've grown, I've had to structure a little bit more of a management sort of structure. I am very much of the view that if you empower people to do their job and you don't micromanage them and you let them make mistakes and you're fair about that, Most people want to do a great job. Most people want to succeed and lawyers want to succeed and they want to do well for their clients and they want to do well for the firm and they want to do well for themselves in terms of their growth. So every single person that I hire, I absolutely trust everything that they do and their work. 
and I guide, but I don't micromanage mm. anybody. And I really empower them with taking on that next step and next level. So my last hire or she was already in the firm and had been in the firm for a year was my manager who I've moved up into a leadership position. So she's now managing the team of seven lawyers that we have. And she's been doing that for a year. And, you know, she's come to me with a few things that I've thought, "Mm, well, I wouldn't deal with it like that. And I've said to her, I wouldn't deal with it like that. These are the ways that I might deal with it. But you need to learn how this is going to roll out and you need to walk through that yourself because that's how we learn. We learn from making our mistakes. So if you put everyone in cotton wool, they, one, are going to feel micromanaged and, two, they're not going to make the mistakes and learn themselves. So I really sort of like to empower people by giving them responsibility and that seems to really work for us. And even down to my admin team, for the last few years, the receptionist that we have um, or the person who answers the phone and does all that kind of thing, so our junior, I've as they've stayed and then moved into another role, I've had them put the ad in seat, on seek and I've had them find who they want to interview and I've had them choose, like interview the person like without me there and they've done it themselves. And it's worked so well because they've hired their clone and they've hired (laughs) someone that they're happy to train and, you know, they feel amazing about the team because they've picked the team themselves. So that kind of way of managing has really worked for me. I'm hearing a lot of letting go of you not necessarily having to have control and be in charge, but saying this is the system and the structure that I've established and now I'm just going to let it go and let you do your job and you manage what you need to manage to the people below you. Yeah, there's a lot of letting go. And it's great because I don't have to do all the things I don't want to do. And I don't have to be here all the time. And I'm not the one necessarily who needs to solve them. And the the whole reason that any of us go into business is because we want more freedom. Yet we get so tied up in um, bogging ourselves down because we think we're the only person who can do the job well. And I've had conversations like this with people before and they say, you're just lucky that you've made good, you know, that the right people have come along. And it, it honestly has nothing to do with that. We've had people in the firm which aren't a good fit. And if they're not a good fit, you know, they don't stay for long. But the majority of the time we hire well and train well and give people the power to make decisions for themselves. And even like through COVID, we've learned a whole lot of stuff about working remotely because that was something that I actually admittedly did have feel like I needed control over, like control over that everyone's in the office and I know that they're all in the office working. And when we went through the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast last year, we were all told uh, it's going to be so busy in town and we're right in Southport, right in the middle of it. So you all need to go and work from home for two weeks. And I was so tightly held, like, in that space of there is no way I'm letting them all work from home. (laughs) I can't afford two weeks of no billables. Like, I cannot afford two weeks of no billables. It's not happening. We're just coming out of the Christmas period and it's no, no way. And so I said to everyone, you're all working from the office, but if you want to work from, like, seven, leave at three, that's fine. 
So that's how I felt. And I just felt really like that control thing, like you were talking yeah. about. And now through COVID, and same with other things like going paperless and all this other kind of stuff. Through COVID, I had gone overseas to a mastermind business group thing and came back into quarantine for two weeks unexpectedly. And they were all at work. So I had to, you know, that didn't worry me because I didn't need to be there because I have a great team who does really well. But then everyone went home and worked from home and I was totally fine with that because that's just what we had to do. And there was more drama with people working in the office than being at home because as COVID was unfolding, people were feeling uncomfortable and different staff members were dealing with it in a different way. You know, some was very stressed about there was COVID in our building. So there was a lot of stress around that sort of stuff. So I said early on, everyone just go work from home because it'll just be easier. And we are barely back at the office now because it's working so well and everyone's enjoying their life so much more. We all have that little bit more freedom, wear our slippers and PJs all day if you want while you're working. And yeah, it's just worked really, really well. So I don't see the point in necessarily returning to how it was. And through that, I've learned that that one little thing that I wanted to hold on to with everyone being in the office, I don't have to worry about that anymore. It's interesting. I, that surprises me. But I guess it surprises me that given your approach to your team and the people generally, it surprises me that you were originally concerned about having everybody there in person. But it's interesting how just how quickly that can change when you're forced to try something different and how you, your mindset is completely opposite now. It's just a mindset shift and it's yeah. the same with letting go of control and letting other team members manage the team or other team members manage your marketing or manage other areas of your business or mm. distributing clients around the office or whatever it might be. Or for some lawyers or principals of firms, it's actually like actually the files themselves. They can't let go of that. Yeah. It's just a mindset that, that you, like I just have the mindset that I can't do everything. And I, by having these amazing people and training them and giving them like setting boundaries and setting up processes, it means that I can multiply myself by in my office now 13 and I can remove myself as much as I want to. So if I didn't come here for 10, for six months, it wouldn't matter. Everyone would still be working really well and um, the business would be going just as well as when I am there. And that's how, I, that's how I, I want it set up like that so I can have more freedom. And the only way to do that is to allow your team to do the work and empower them to be their best. Yeah. And you've just touched on one of the questions I was going to ask you, which is you've spoken about this idea of creating freedom for yourself. And that is the reason why most people go into business. And unfortunately, it's not the outcome that most people get because of the way they manage their business. But people are obviously a really key part of that for you. What would you say are the others? Of getting more freedom. Yeah. Like, I think one of the things is ego, like not <laughs> um, not being so stuck in there that you think that the business is like all about me. Or all about, you know, and we changed our name last year to a more generic name, Collective Family Law, from my, well, it was a former family name, so it was kind of good to get rid of the name, but um, 
<laughs> a couple of the people in the firm were worried that it was this generic name and it wasn't like about the principle and about me and I don't want the You don't want to it be to be about you. It's not about me. It's about our clients and it's about our team and part of my purpose and vision is to not just impact my clients but it's to impact my team and to bring people through and create this safe place in law where we can have this amazing business and an amazing lifestyle like everyone in the team. You're not going to be bullied here, for example, and I know that there's so much of that that happens in law. I will hire you if you're pregnant and you're the right fit. It doesn't bother me that you're pregnant. Hmm. I've hired people when they're halfway through pregnancy because they're a good fit and I see a long-term game that they're going to be a good fit long-term. And yes, they might have to take a year off for maternity leave, but that's totally fine. Yeah, they'll come back at the end of it, right? Because they found the right place that's supportive. They're committed to their career. I'm committed to my career and I'm Mm. a mum. So I know that there's other women that are like me that are committed to my career and I'm a mum and are mums. So there's things like that's my greater purpose for running the firm and for my own financial freedom and freedom and all of that kind of thing. So yeah, I just take this approach of I've got to work on the business and not in it. So I try not to get bogged down and in it. I read the book E-Myth, which is yeah, a really old I love that book. It's one of my favorite books. Yeah. When I was about 23, I read it. So I've always sort of come from this entrepreneurial approach rather than the lawyer approach, mm-hmm. I suppose. And having a team is so much part of that because you can't be all the things. And it's not just a team in your business, but it's just it's a team in your life as well. And that mm. extends out to your family, you know, empower your kids to do the dishes. Like don't keep doing the dishes because <laughs> they'll never learn how to do it. That sort of stuff. Don't keep making their lunches until they're like 18 years old because otherwise you're going to be stuck making lunches for 18 years or longer. Yeah. Like I've got a 10-year gap between my two. So that's like 30 freaking years making lunches. So empower them. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I was doing some training with some junior lawyers in our firm a couple of weeks ago and I said to them that if I had to choose the one skill I have that has contributed most to my success in my career, it would be my ability to delegate. And they both looked at me like, what? And I was like, no, really, my ability to delegate has absolutely been the thing that has opened up so many other doors because I'm not doing all the stuff I don't need to do. I'm doing the stuff that I want to do and I'm really good at and that I'm interested in. And I can recognize when I'm not the right person for a job and get someone else to do it. And it's not just your ability to delegate that's important. It's also your ability to set your expectations and patiently train someone to know what you want from them. So for example, the lawyer that I've got, who's now the team leader of the firm, she is very typical in the law, very highly skilled, very detailed, and it's hard for her to let go. So it took me a good six months to start getting, like I said to her, you cannot run a full file load and Mm -hmm. run the team. You need to start getting rid of some files. And then she got, um, a client came in and it was like an exciting client, an exciting matter that was going <laughs> to She wanted to do it, her. yeah. And yeah. so she took it on herself. And I said to her, you can't do that. You now have a new role. You are now managing a team and it's your job to empower the team with that great client. Mm. So give them the great client. You've got people on your team that are more than capable of doing that. So, you know, like I've had to teach her how to 
teach them or how to let go of these things. Mm -hmm. And you've got to allow people to make a mistake and then sit down with them and show them how you want it done. And you don't have to do that that much. And then you've got someone who's fully capable and able to do it. And then you can delegate and they know what to expect. And that is a skill because what happens is a lot of people have this whole attitude of, oh, blow it. I'll just do it myself. It's quicker if I just do it myself. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it usually is quicker if I just do it myself, but you end up always just doing it. That's right. And that's the same with in your home and yeah. in every other area of your life. Yes, it's quicker to do the washing yourself or to do the dishes yourself initially when you've got a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old doing the dishes and they kind of make more mess than cleaning up. <laughs> but if you train them, you know, like I've got a 19-year-old and a 15-year-old and I've had like a good six years of like never having to do the dishes again. Yeah, see. Because I spent the time training them. So it's it's the same in your office environment and at home and, you know, so gathering that team, empowering them to do the work and then delegating it off. Yeah, that might even be the answer to my the question I like to finish on, which is what is the advice that you would give to somebody who wants to do law differently? Is it that or maybe you've got something else? I think the advice is is to go with your instinct rather than just that's what we do in law mm. because law is no different from any other business. And if you see a business that you admire that's not in the law, that's in another sector or whatever, there is a way of doing what they do in the law. Yeah. And I've really enjoyed like, you know, I've got a few different business crushes that are not in the law and I've really enjoyed bringing ideas from other areas into my law practice, like Mm -hmm. whether it's from how you run your law Instagram account, you know, so for example, it used to be all like the typical kind of pictures that you might see from, you know, like law kind of pictures or whatever. Like a boardroom table and the justice, yeah. Yeah. And so like a couple of years ago, I started seeing other Instagram accounts that I liked the look of. And it was kind of like, why can't I do that in mm. law? Like, why mm. can't I make our our Instagram feed look like that? You can. Mm. But it's like that just because you're a lawyer and you're in a law practice, it's not special in the sense of how to run a business. Mm. So yeah, if you like anything that you see, just and go with your instincts and run your practice that way. I love that advice. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for tuning in to Doing Law Differently. If you enjoyed the episode, I'd love you to leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find out about the show and I love hearing what you think. Otherwise, if you're not on Apple Podcasts, send me a message and let me know. You can find all the past episodes at doinglawdifferently.com.au.